Bibles there, go ahead and turn to the book of Ezra. Ezra chapter 7. If you're struggling to find Ezra, just go to Psalms, come back to the left a little bit. Ezra chapter 7, and we'll start reading together in verse 6. So maybe we could stand together and let's read Ezra chapter 7, verses 6 through verse 10. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his request according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. And there went up some of the children of Israel and of the priests and of the Levites and of the singers and of the porters and the Nithinims unto Jerusalem in the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king. And he came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. For upon the first day of the first month began he to go up to Babylon, and on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem, according to the good hand of his God upon him. Verse 10, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Go ahead and be seated. We're introduced to Ezra at the beginning of chapter 7. Contextually, Israel has been under captivity at this stage for some 70-odd years. Here in chapter 7, we read that Ezra came from a long line of priests going all the way back to Aaron, the very first high priest. We also read that Ezra was living amongst the exiles in captivity. And in verse 6, we see that he was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses. Ezra had gained knowledge of the word of God. Ezra was skilled in the scriptures, which in this day or in his day, skilled in scriptures meant he knew the Pentateuch. He knew the first five books of the Bible. We see in Ezra 7, Ezra receives special permission to return to Jerusalem by the authority of the king of Persia, Artaxerxes himself. Ezra was sent back to the holy city of God. And later we learned that he didn't go back empty-handed. He went back carrying treasures of silver and gold and sacred items for worship supplied from the king's own treasury. Ezra was given everything that he needed to reestablish temple worship in Jerusalem, including sacrifices of atonement. But tonight, I want to focus on one verse, I want to focus on verse 10 with you tonight. Verse 10, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Let's pause for a minute and we're going to pray 
But I want to do something a little bit different tonight. As we look at the first part of that, he says he had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. So I wonder if just for a moment, if we might individually do just that. For just a moment, we just stop and prepare our hearts to seek the law of the Lord. So why don't we do that? We'll just pause for a moment and in the stillness of the next minute or so, just pray that God would work on our hearts and then I'll close it. Father, tonight as we study your word, Father, I pray that you would convict us where we need to be convicted. Father, you would challenge us where we need to be challenged. Father, you would open our eyes to what it is that you would have for us tonight. And Father, we would desire to change and to grow. And Father, to be molded and shaped in the image of your son. Father, we know that you love us. And Father, you desire the best for us. And so, Father, help us as we study your word. In your name, amen. Tonight's going to be a little bit different. This is going to be more of a teaching versus preaching session. Some important lessons that we can learn from this book. We can learn from Ezra and apply it to our lives. We may not be under captivity in a, in a foreign country, but these principles apply no matter what the hardship is that we are enduring, no matter what the stage of life is that we are in, no matter what we are going through, even if it's not a hardship. The principles that we see here in verse 10, we can apply to our lives. The first detail that we see here lies in the time frame. Have a look at that verse with me. And, and if you are in the habit of circling things in your Bible, circle the word had. Had. Ezra had prepared his heart. The detail that stands out to me in this, the detail that, that convicted me is the when in this picture, when he was preparing his heart. Notice that Ezra's heart was already prepared before he was given permission to leave. He had prepared his heart. While he was still in captivity, Ezra was preparing his heart. While he was still in the hardship, in the middle of the struggle, Ezra was preparing his heart. So often I find in myself that while I am in the struggle, while I'm in the trial, while I'm in the battle, the last thing on my mind is preparing my heart. I'm not focused on preparing my heart. Often I'm focused on dealing with the situation. 
But look at the testimony that Ezra had within the trial. Look at the impact of his relationship with God, and we can see that in the preceding verses. In verse 6, it says, And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord, his God, upon him. Because of what God was doing in Ezra's life, because of Ezra's life, the king granted him all of his requests. Have a look again down at verse 9, and we see the very same wording, according to the good hand of his God upon him. Ezra had been preparing his heart, it was impacting his life, and now it is impacting other people's lives. Despite the difficulty of the situation unfolding around him, Ezra is faithful to prepare his heart, and the testimony that he had resulted in having a much broader impact. Let's look at the next part of the verse here. What is he preparing his heart for? He's preparing his heart to seek the law of the Lord. He hasn't just prepared his heart to be freed from captivity. He's, he's not just dreaming of better days. He's not just hanging around waiting. He is preparing his heart to seek the law of the Lord. He's preparing his heart to seek Scripture. So the question is, why? And he gives us two reasons here. He's preparing his heart so that he can do it and so that he can teach it. He's learning scripture, he's preparing his heart so that he can do it and he can teach it. Under the restrictions of their captivity, Ezra didn't have the freedom to live out what he could see was required of God. But he knew that one day there would come a time when he could. And so he prepared his heart and he learned scripture so that he could do it and teach it. It wasn't good enough for him just to know Scripture and to apply it to his own life. He knew that if the children of Israel were going to restore their relationship with God, he had to teach them. In chapters 9 and 10, we see him address some of the sin that had come about because of the influence of their captors. And Ezra addresses that. So let's take some time and let's look at some application here. And I do not intend on holding you long. But there are some practical things that we should, as believers, be doing. We should be applying to our lives. And maybe this can be the ABCs or the one, two, threes, however you like to, to list things of our walk. Maybe this could be the, the, the point where we look at it and go, this is something that I can do to mature as a believer. For teachers or preachers of God's Word, this verse is immensely practical. But just in case the rest of you decide to nod off, it also applies to any of us who are growing in our faith. And that should be 
All of us. So what do we see here? We see, first of all, a need to prepare our hearts to seek God's word. A need to prepare our hearts to seek God's word. We talked a few weeks ago about making sure that we start the day off on the right foot when we looked at Psalm 59. Maybe you remember the verse that we read there, but I will sing of thy power, yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. And we understand the practical application of that. I should get into God's word in the morning so that I set myself on the right track for the rest of the day. But tonight I want us to add some maturity to that, and I hope that's okay. I hope we're, we're willing to, to broaden our thinking a little bit. We need to take a step further in our walk with God. We need to add a little bit of meat to the bones. If we are to mature as believers, we need to realize that we are not just preparing for the day. We are not just preparing for the week ahead of us, but we are preparing for the future. As I study Scripture, as I prepare my mind, as I prepare my heart, and I delve into Scripture, I'm not just doing it for today, I'm doing it for the future. Until we understand that, we're going to struggle. We're going to continue to battle. We're going to continue to fight to find relevance in what we're doing. We need to prepare our hearts for the future. We must prepare to study and to receive God's word no matter what the season is now. We're preparing for what's next. Consider this from a, a micro and a macro level. Maybe we'll look at it from a microscopic level as well as from stepping back and using some, some binoculars. When you pick up your Bible in the morning before you read it, what do you do? Do you prepare your heart? Do you spend time before you read your Bible and you just come before God and you ask God, God, open my eyes to what it is that you're going to have me read here. God, open my heart to understand what it is that you would have for me here. God, give me a teachable a tender heart, a heart that's responsive to the Holy Spirit. Ask God to expose the sin in your heart. That's a hard one. Because so often I get up in the morning and I go and sit in my chair and I open my Bible and I have my, I have my list, my, my scripture reading for the day list. I know what I'm going to read, and it just becomes robotic. It becomes, this is what I do in the morning. I get up, I make myself a cup of coffee, I grab my Bible, I sit in my chair, and I read Scripture, and that's great. It's fantastic. It's what we should be doing. But before I read Scripture, I need to come to, to the God who, who wrote this, 
The God who prepared this, who put it into the hearts of men, I need to come to him and I need to go, God, what is it in this that I'm reading this morning? What is it that you have for me? It's not just about ticking a box on a list. This is about me taking the word of God and applying it to my heart. Ezra says that he prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. We need to prepare our hearts. Let's step back a little bit. When you come to church or you listen to the word of God being preached and taught, no matter whether it's Sunday night or whether it's Wednesday night or it's a, a Bible study or it's our morning service or if it's a conference, it doesn't matter. No matter what it is where there's an opportunity for you to listen to the Word of God being presented, prepare your heart beforehand. How many of us come into this Excuse me. How many of us come into the service and we just sort of get into the flow of things and we, we sit down and we talk to our neighbor maybe and, and we, we get into the flow of things and the music starts to happen and we watch the screen and we, we just sort of bumble along until all of a sudden somebody comes up here and preaches. But have we prepared our hearts? Have we taken that time to sit down and just stop. God, what is it that you want from me in this service? God, as I listen to the words that we are singing to you, where do you want my heart to go? God, as someone opens your word and preaches your word, God, convict me. God, show me where I need to change. God, work on me. How often do we come to church, do we go to conference, and we are honest with God like that? Maybe when the offering is being done, it's time that we should just stop and pause. Maybe when that last song is being sung, that special item, maybe it's time for us to stop and pause and just reflect on what God is doing and ask him to work on our hearts. We need to be preparing our hearts to seek the law of the Lord. As a preacher, I learned a lesson about myself over the years, and I've found that Saturday nights are crucial, particularly if I'm preaching. Saturday nights are, are crucial for me in shaping the way that my mind and my heart are for Sunday when I'm coming to church. Can I challenge you, be careful what you watch on the night before you go to church. Where does it lead your heart? Be careful what it is that you are doing and where you're going Ask yourself, where does this lead my heart? Be careful how late you stay up. This is practical stuff. If you're coming to church in the morning and you're struggling to keep your eyes open or you're struggling to get to life groups because you stayed up too late the night before, check your heart. 
We should be coming to, to church. We should be coming to life groups with our hearts prepared to receive God's word. We shouldn't be coming to church thinking, wow, I hope that this sermon goes short because I am struggling to stay awake. We've all been there. When it's too warm in the morning, like this morning, and you're sitting there sweating, yeah? Prepare your hearts. Think about what you can put in place to make sure that your heart and your mind are in the right place before you come to church on Sunday. I know this is basic stuff. This is practical stuff. You know, my wife knows me really well. She knows the the things that affect me. She knows the things that impact me emotionally. She knows the things that impact me to a level spiritually. And my wife will often make decisions on a Saturday night for the things that we're going to do based on that, particularly if I'm preaching. And on Sunday morning, again, she knows how to protect my heart. She knows the things to do to make sure that I am prepared mentally, that my heart is in the right place when I get to church. Be careful of the things that you choose to do before you come to that time with God. And maybe for a moment I can speak on behalf of Pastor Hernan, and he doesn't know that I'm going to say anything. But as a body, we need to protect him. As a body, we need to understand that when he's preparing to preach on Sunday morning before he gets to that service or on Sunday evening or on Wednesday night, when he is preparing to do that, his heart is vulnerable. The greatest time that Satan will attack him is in those moments before he gets up to preach. And we as a congregation, we as a a body, we as a group of believers that come here, that sit under his leadership, we need to understand that. We need to protect that time for him. We need to be careful about the conversations that we take to him. If I'm going to talk to to pastor, I'm going to save whatever problem it is until after church. And I'm going to say, hey, can I talk to you after church? I'm not going to bring those issues to him before church. Why? Because I need to protect his heart. We need to protect each other's hearts. We need to be preparing our hearts to seek God's word. We need to be sensitive to where our hearts are going to go. Let's step back from that or step, zoom in a little bit for a moment, preachers, young men, any of you that are given the opportunity to teach, to preach, to lead others, this point is particularly pertinent to you. I can't emphasize enough that as you study, as you prepare a message, prepare your heart. Before you begin to look for a topic or a passage or a verse, spend time with God. Seek His heart. 
what you present from behind this pulpit needs to be God working through you. Make sure your heart is right. Make sure your mind is right. Remember, this is God's word and the people that you are speaking to, no matter what the age, are his people. Prepare your heart. Protect your heart. Be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. John 16 tells us that the Holy Spirit will guide us in all truth. Understand that the preparation that is happening in your heart right now, while needed now, is for the future. If you're only diving into the Word in the days leading up to teaching or preaching, there's something wrong. We need to be spending time in Scripture constantly, and we need to be preparing our hearts constantly. Let me give you an example that I had to learn the hard way in my life. When I finished Bible school in 1997, I'm looking to my wife to nod, she doesn't know either. When I finished Bible school in 1997, 1998, I came back to Australia and uh, the, the church that had supported me through Bible school was sort of a, a retired pastor's church. There were pastors in that church, and there was a, a group of men that were encouraging me to get involved in preaching. And there were a lot of opportunities for me to preach in that church. And I took those opportunities. I loved writing sermons, and I loved preaching as a young man. And one day after I had preached a sermon, one of the deacons pulled me aside and he said, you shouldn't be doing this. You don't love the Word of God and you don't love the people that you are preaching to. Your heart is wrong. I stepped away from it. I was offended. I didn't really know what to say. I'm 23, 24 years old. I thought I knew it all. I had the knowledge, but I didn't have the heart. I was not going to God and asking God, God, prepare my heart, work on my heart. I was taking the knowledge that I'd gained through Bible school and through study and through listening to my dad over years, and I was simply regurgitating it. I didn't love God's Word, and I didn't love God's Sometimes we treat God's Word like it's just information. Something that I can use to make myself look better. Teachers and preachers, prepare your heart. Be sensitive to where the Holy Spirit leads because He will direct you to meet the needs of the body. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Nike has a slogan. What's their slogan? Just do it. I think everybody in the world knows Nike's slogan, just do it. And they, they don't develop sports shoes and active wear for watching TV, do they? 
all those fantastic fabrics that they spend millions of dollars engineering and all the science that goes into those amazing stretchy fabrics that make it that you can take your leg and bend it in amazing ways and, and all those microfiber shirts that wick all the moisture so that you can turn sweat into some sort of energy source. All of those things and the shoes that make you run like a crazy man, all of those things are not created for watching TV. Be assured, Nike doesn't care that you buy them. They don't care if you're sitting on the couch or if you're out running a marathon. Most people wear those clothes, those million-dollar clothes, because that's how much engineering has gone into them, to simply sit around to make me look good. Often that's exactly what we do with the Word of God. Listen to this. We prepare and we seek so that we can do it. We prepare and we seek so that we can do it. Live what you learn. Apply what you learn. We prepare our hearts to study the Word of God so that we can live it. We don't study to have knowledge for the sake of having knowledge. Maybe you've met one of those people who is hung up on one or two topics, and any time you talk to them about the Bible, no matter what the topic is, it always seems to come back to this one point. They've studied it in depth, and they know that one or, or maybe two points in detail. And every conversation comes back to that. The reality is their faith is immature. Their knowledge is shallow because they can't see anything other than that topic. Here's my point. We don't study the Word of God just to have knowledge. If you are studying the Word of God just to win an argument, check your heart. Check your heart. If you're wearing Christianity as a fashion item, check your heart. It's not where we should be. We study the Word of God so that it will transform our lives. We spend time in this so that it will change us. God uses this to shape us and to mold us and to conform us into the image of his son. Not just for us to win an argument or to win a fight or to look more Christian. Our time spent in this should change us. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15 says, Study the show to thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's where we usually stop. But look at 
the next verse, verse 16. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Check your heart. Why are you studying? Are you rightly dividing the word of truth? Is it impacting your life? Are you living it out? Or are you babbling in the vanity of your own knowledge like I did as a young man? Check your heart. Study the word of God to do it so that it impacts your life. The last thing we see there is teach the word. So we prepare and we seek so that we can do and finally so that we can teach. Now we could go to a number of scriptures and we could teach on this one, but for the sake of time, we'll just go to 1 Timothy. And maybe you'd say to me, but, but I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher. In fact, let's go to Hebrews. Step sideways a little bit here. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Maybe you'd say to me, I'm not a teacher, I'm, I'm not a preacher, I, I, I'm not meant to stand up in front of people, that's not my role, that's not who I am. Have a look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 and 24, it says, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that is promised. Verse 24, and I want you to listen to this, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. The word consider there is a detailed look. It's not a casual glance. It's a detailed look. I know you in such detail. I understand you. I've spent time with you. I know when you are struggling, and I will speak into that. That's our responsibility as believers. Not just pastors, not just the deacons, that's our responsibility to one another to know each other well enough that when you're going off track, when I'm going off track, you'll speak into my life. You'll say, Phil, hey, I'm seeing something going wrong here. Can I help? Can I, can I point you to Scripture? Can I give you some help here? That's what we should be doing one another. We should be doing that in order to, and it says in the last part of that verse, verse 24, to provoke unto love and to good works. I love you enough to speak into your life to provoke unto love and to good works. We're not just talking to preachers and to teachers, and that's not where we're going today. This is for us as believers. you're a believer, you are called to study the Word of God. And we see that throughout Scripture. But you're also called to know other believers in your life well enough to speak into their lives. It doesn't mean that I'm constantly looking for issues in your life. We're not fruit inspectors. I'm not constantly looking for issues in your life, but I, but I love you enough and I, and I love God enough to help you when you need it. To provoke unto love 
and good works. Where do those good works come from? Well, they come from the time that you and I spend in the Word of God. So what does that mean for you? Maybe you're not a teacher, maybe you're not a preacher, but you do have opportunity to counsel. You do have opportunity to speak into another's life, to encourage, to challenge, to exhort. But if I'm not preparing, and I'm not seeking, and I'm not doing, and I'm not living it out, then the advice that you give, the counsel that you give, is going to be twisted. It's going to be tainted. The counsel that we give needs to be influenced by Scripture, not by my experience. Now let's go to 2 Timothy. Now obviously... 2 Timothy is written directly to Timothy and there, uh, you know, as a young preacher, but there are some principles there that we can apply. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1, 2 Timothy 4 verse 1, it says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who should judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned into fables." But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Here's the challenge for us. First of all, preach the word, teach the word, counsel from the word, exhort from doctrine. That's where we should be coming from. Not life stories, not my experience, but from the word of God. Be instant in season and out of season. What does that mean? It means be ready. Be prepared. Have studied the Word of God now so that I'm prepared for later. Be instant in season and out of season. Have the knowledge at hand so when the opportunity arrives, you can speak from the Word of God with wisdom. Notice he says both in season and out of season, always be ready. And when we think back for a moment to Ezra, he had prepared his heart. He had prepared his heart. He prepared his heart out of season so that when the time was right, he was ready. Why? Why do we prepare our hearts? Because there will come a time when it's needed. Even more than now, there will come a time. Here's the danger if we don't, if you're not. Look at verses in 2 Timothy 4 again, verse 3. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. 
but after their own loss shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall turn unto fables. There's two sides to this. If I'm not applying the word of God to me, that's where I end up. I end up looking for it somewhere else. I end up looking for something else to speak into my life. The other side to that is if we are not speaking truth into the lives of our children, into the the lives of the people around us, if we are not studying Scripture and using Scripture to counsel, this is where people go. They look for somewhere. They have itching ears. They look for something that is going to satisfy them. I said this was going to be short, so let's bring this to a close. What can we take away? Constantly be preparing your heart and sensitive to the Word of God. Constantly be preparing your heart and sensitive to the Word of God. As you learn, as the Holy Spirit guides and convicts, take action. Don't sit on it. As the Holy Spirit works in your heart and He reveals something in you that you need to deal with, something that is impacting between you and your relationship with God, deal with it then. Don't sit on it. Deal with it then. Apply the truths that He exposes to you, because we learned that the Holy Spirit guides in all truth. Apply the truths that He exposes to you. Teach. Teach. Allow God to use you in the lives of others. We here have the benefit of having the Word of God, of hearing the Word of God weekly. A lot of people that come in that door don't. Be prepared to sit with people. Be prepared to use the Word of God. When we sit with our young people and when we sit with different people within the context of our body, use the Word of God to counsel. Teach. Ezra 7 verse 10, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Maybe tonight we need to just stop and examine our own hearts. Maybe we need to just pause and think about where we're at. Have you been preparing your heart? Have you been seeking Scripture and not just to read it to tick a box, but seeking to learn from Scripture and allow it to speak into your life? Have you been doing it? Have you been taking what you are learning and applying it and living it out? Have you been teaching it? Have you been teaching it? If we want to change our families, if we want to change our communities, if we want to change our country, We have to apply these truths.
these truths have to impact us first. We can't put the burden onto someone else. This is an individual responsibility for us as believers. Tonight as we finish, prepare, seek, do, teach. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, you give us your word. Father, so often we take it for granted. And Father, I know in my own life I become robotic about reading your word and about checking a box to get through a, a, a reading. And Father, I need to take it and apply it to my life. So, Father, I pray that for the context of our church tonight, Father, that we would prepare our hearts to seek your word as we come together as a body to meet. Father, that we would prepare our hearts before we get to that. Father, we would take the lessons that you are teaching us, we would apply them to our lives, and we would live it out. And Father, that we would step into the breach and we'd be willing to teach. Father, the lessons that you teach us, we would extend to others. Father, we know that you love us. Father, it was enough that you sent your son to die for us. And Father, you desire to mold us and to shape us into the image of your son so that we can better glorify you. Father, thank you for consistently pouring into our lives. Father, you are good to us and we love you. In your name, amen.